This is Geek Cab with your hosts, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back, Geek Cab, for Saturday, May 2nd, 2020. We have a lot of things to talk about, folks, today. I will not lie. My list here in my little electronic notepad is chock full of interesting things to discuss, but one of them we have to forewarn you that you may be forearmed. We wanted to talk about The Last of Us 2's various difficulties in the last week. And the difficulty about that is that a company that's been hired by Sony has been very aggressively targeting anyone uh, not who has posted images or video that got leaked from the game, not that anyone who has been repeating them, but anyone who has just mentioned them online. They have, in point of fact, even taken down live streams in the middle of the stream while it was on air. So if we, your hosts, suddenly disappear and the video can't be found anymore, then we have been struck by the same company and this is, in fact, this whole situation is why we wanted to talk about it, because it's really ticking me off. Um, I don't want to talk about it at the top of the show, but we will get to that. I just wanted to warn you that we may be the target of this kind of unconscionable action that Musso TNT Limited has been taking. But before we get to all that, Dornal, how's your week? Hey man. The week's had its up and downs. So I got a I got a funny story. We're we're still head in the clouds about work and and moving about our days with the virus. And I don't want to talk too much about that, but <clears throat> this is a funny story. I had a message just a little while ago, earlier today, saying, hey, call me. And I said, sure, I'll be ready right after the show. <laughs> and his response was, oh, I forgot about days of the week. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, I didn't realize it was Saturday or or something like that, or man, the rest of the week just slipped me by. No, the concept <laughs> that that we designate each day differently for different purposes just completely has left his mind. That's where we're at, guys. <laughs> that's, that's how long this has gone on. <laughs> oh, they really. Uh, no, I'm a little surprised. I'm a little surprised myself that uh, that I remembered it was the end of the week and and it was time for the geek gab, but. Uh, some, something came up that I'm happy to talk about this week. So, um, I need to flip back to my notes. And I want to see which one of these I want to mention first. Oh, yeah. 
this is a procedural thing that happened yesterday because this is this is how my week has gone. This is how my week has gone. Yesterday we're talking about John messages me and he says, "Hey, do you have a subject for the show?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I think uh, I think we want to talk about um, the Last of Us." And all that. He's like, okay, great. I'll get that scheduled. So he goes out. He gets it scheduled. He puts the picture there and everything. He says, uh, how does this look like? Actually, he said, submitted for a review. And someone in my account on Twitter replies, looks fine to me. Now, I phrased that the way I did. Because I don't remember typing those words. And there's a timestamp on the words because it's on Twitter, even in DMs. And I've been in this place in the last week where I've been regularly falling asleep in my chair while working. And I have accidentally clicked on things while half asleep. I've been dragging folders into other folders. I've been clicking on links. Um, and... I'm pretty sure I've, I've literally fallen asleep in this really uncomfortable chair I'm using for like an hour at a time sometimes. And I, I, I don't remember typing that because I'm pretty sure I was asleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's bad news, man. <clears throat> so, John types submitted for review because he wants me to go look at the page. And if I have any comments, I'll comment on it. And apparently I either went and looked at the page or didn't go and looked at the page and replied, looks fine to me. Either I was asleep or half asleep or awake and all of the weird sleepiness in between has made me forget that I did that. When I got up this morning and I saw that, I thought to myself, I actually sat down and tried to figure out who could have broken into my account. <laughs> who could have typed that? Who could have responded to him and said, looks fine to me? <laughs> because... I did not think that could possibly have been me. I had a very, wow. very benign hacker hack in at precisely one thirty yesterday. Well, <clears throat> what we should do is send that tweet along with your tweet history to uh, the FBI or, or some other criminal investigator. One of those specialists that specialize in <laughs> handwriting analysis. Not my handwriting, but text analysis. And, and they can match your writing style to see see if you can predict who wrote that tweet. It might turn out to be you, which would be a great ghost story. 
it sounds like me. It really, really does. So anyway, that's how my week has been. Oh, boy. <clears throat> that's a heck of a week. You know, in other, in other times, that would be a really good sign. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, I did have a good thing happen this week, though. Cheryl Lill. I got my stimulus money, I think they call it. The, the Trump money. The Trump bucks. Yes, Trump bucks. I got my Trump bucks this week. Um, so I immediately ran out and splurged on uh, a replacement for my mouse, which is you know dead sexy. That's uh, that's uh, that's real hot. Replacing a mouse. Um, I went out and splurged on a new set of headphones for the show. Wild spending, wild spending spree. I actually made up this list before I got the money, so I know what I was <clears> buying. <laughs> wow, making it rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wild and crazy spending. You've I, really, you know what? You alone have accounted for the pure stimulus of the economy. Um, the other thing I needed to do was to buy a new Xbox One controller because my. It's not so much that these are. Once you've had a controller for a long time and you've used it a lot, it just begins to wear out. Just a fact of life. So I went on Amazon to try and look for an Xbox controller. And all they had on sale that I could find that particular day were all these custom ones or special ones with special, you know, jobs on them. Uh, like the Halo Edition one or the Call of Duty one or whatever. I couldn't find just a simple black controller. Now, they may have sold out of them and they may have gotten more in or whatever, but on that day, all I could find were like, you know, $65, $70 controllers. Um, and then I remembered while I was on the Apple site buying a replacement for my mouse and buying my new uh, replacement for the headsets I use for the show, I noticed they actually had an Xbox controller for sale. So I went back and I price checked the Xbox controller on the Apple website. And it was retail price, $59.95. Hmm. And it was two-day shipping. Whereas, you know, Amazon recently has been a week or so for anything that isn't like critical and essential materials. Sure. So, <laughs> so this week, I bought Microsoft hardware on the Apple store for cheaper than I could on Amazon and it shipped here quicker. Wow. Is that is that one of the signs of the apocalypse? I believe so. Somebody mentioned that on on uh, Twitter. <laughs> 
Gotcha's a little kind of kind of trippy thing, kind of mind bending thing. <laughs> this is supposed to be Amazon's moment, isn't it? <clears throat> yes. We're, I mean, they, we're finally in a position where people are avoiding brick and mortar stores and getting everything they can online. Now someone's got to deliver them. Yep. But <laughs> that, so, that reminds me of a funny story of a, uh, an Amazon delivery guy giving a customer a hard time because he was delivering, uh, shall we say, not safe for work, non-essential items. <laughs> and the complaint was along the lines of, ma'am, this <clears throat> particular item here is not essential. What are you making me do here? <laughs> I'll, I'll let your imagination fill in the gaps. It's a very funny story. Um, but anyways, I got it. Yesterday, I tried it out. It's a perfectly standard Microsoft controller. It works really, really well. Buttons don't stick like my old ones do. The uh, thumbstick hasn't doesn't have the annoying face right and look up that my old one did. So <laughs> that's really annoying when you're in a shooter game when you let go of your thumbstick and you face right and look up. Uh huh. Yeah. So I'm happy. Just kind of weirds me out. I'm just, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to live in this universe anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's like all the rules I knew in life that I'd carefully learned over the years have all been thrown out. It's a brave new world out there. I'm just glad this is the only piece of Microsoft gear that Apple sells. Otherwise, I, I you know. I, I literally don't know how I would cope. You know, <laughs> if I if I had to go to Apple's website to buy an Xbox One, I just I think I would have to refuse to live in this world and and just like move to a cabin and and eat dirt for the rest of my life or something. It just sounds like a plan. <clears throat> um, that's not sounding so bad right now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Minus the dirt part. I think there's a lot of people out there. I think there's a lot of people out there actually going, huh, I think maybe it's time for me to get away from this, uh, you know, th these population centers where I can get easily transmittable diseases. Anyway, what were you saying? I was going to say you had something that you wanted to talk about today. I would love to talk about this. Uh, it's. It's blowing up on Twitter in the in the video game spheres, and it, but it's good. Uh, there's just was it yesterday or the day before they released Streets of Rage Four on Steam. Are you familiar with the with the Streets of Rage game series? I'm familiar with the first one because, well, I don't know if you're around my age. I think everyone around my age is familiar with the Streets of Rage. They've at least heard of it. Okay, yeah. every guy around my age is familiar with Streets of Rage. Man, classic Sega Genesis brawler series. One of those beat-em-up yeah. games. You know, three people versus a whole army of gangsters and thugs and... <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, but anyway, uh, Sega went ahead and licensed the IP to... A developer called Dotemu. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Dotemu. Anyway, 
They, uh, well, anyway, it's an independent games outfit. They produced Streets of Rage 4 with Sega's Blessing, and it released on Steam yesterday. And, man, it's good. It's real good. Nice. What do you what do you want out of out of sort of a a resurrection of a of a classic game, besides besides the nostalgia factor? Like what what do you expect out of a game like that? That, well, updated graphics, um, or the old school graphics, but taking advantage of updated hardware. Um, gameplay that is. Uh, updated where it needs to be, you know, eliminating annoyances and things like that, but is exactly like you would remember. Um, That's it. They, and they absolutely nailed it. They went with a modern art style. They, they put in, you can tell they put in hundreds of hours of work updating these characters and so some of the characters are familiar and some of the characters are new but they updated the art and it's got this clean slick animation to all the characters and they look beautiful Uh, but they're familiar enough so that obviously the two iconic characters that have been in every game uh, Axel and Blaze like you you know you see them immediately uh, you're like oh cool I know these guys and then when other characters show up the enemies, bosses from previous games, so on and so forth, they're instantly recognizable, even though, you know, their design's slightly been changed in there and and the animation's different, right? It's not this blocky pixelated thing. So they the these guys were really faithful to the art style and and the characters of the Genesis series. Uh, they really put a lot of work and love into it. And you mentioned the gameplay. And the gameplay is almost as faithful there's uh there's a lot of skills transference from those old games you know skills in those games that can transfer to this game it plays really nice uh the animation's smooth the game plays smooth and uh, while the the characters and the enemies behave slightly differently you know uh, tricks that might have worked in in older games don't exactly work the same way here. Uh, the The feel is great, and and you get right back into it. And it feels like you're playing another Streets of Rage game. They nailed it. Awesome. And I, I spent a whole evening playing online with my brother. And uh, yeah, latency cropped up a few times, but it was it was a smooth play experience, right? Uh, every I mean every every few minutes the game would would. Uh, would break to sync up and uh, but the game never crashed uh, the animations are smooth there were no uh, noticeable bugs that that we saw uh, really out of a out of a steam game day of release i'm really impressed with the results one more thing uh, any of you guys who know streets of rage uh, now you you only have a passing familiarity, but people who played it a lot. Now I was a Sega kid growing up. People who played that a lot will tell you, Streets of Rage's signature was actually the soundtrack. Streets of Rage Two actually has, uh, with, and there's a few honorable mentions otherwise, but Streets of Rage Two has the best soundtrack 
on the Sega Genesis. It uh, that whole era of of games had beautiful, you know, computer generated music and sounds. And uh, I'm I'm going to give them I'm going to give them an A minus B plus on recreating that great soundtrack. Not only did they add some of those sounds and motifs, you know, they they sort of created remixes or 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 added those sounds from the old games in this game. Uh, the music quality is very high too. Uh, it, it's sort of got that pulse pounding beats and and sort of energetic. Let's take on the whole city of thugs music. That's great. That's great. Yeah, JD Cowan, the the art gallery. Uh, it has outstanding, outstanding music. And uh, <clears throat> there's a sewer level. And up until like the third stage, the 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 way they incorporated the old music wasn't at the forefront, which is nice actually. It's it's nice to hear more a lot of original music, but uh, the the music from the from stage two of the original one came through in in this underground level, uh, and it was uh, it was beautiful, man. It was beautiful, not and not only on a nostalgic. Not only for the nostalgia of it, but because uh, it fit the setting and and the uh, and the action so well, so good. So, I, I there's there, I mean there's nothing more I could say. Like if if you if you appreciate the nostalgia or if you like those old beat 'em up arcade games like Final Fight and or Streets of Rage and or something like that, or you're just looking for a nice action game to play on the couch or play online with your buddies when you're stuck at home, dude, pick this up. It's so good. Awesome. And it seems like there's several people in the chat who are agreeing with you. Yeah. You know, these guys, you know, these guys picked it up. Um, yeah. Uh, Metro city boys. Yeah. Bradford Walker. Yeah. The it's uh it's fantastic. Yeah. Oliver Campbell's, uh, crowing about it on on twitter he, he saw some of the same stuff i did uh so good i and and i was skeptical right because the last couple of ip updates were sort of middle of the road well we talked about it last year toe jam and earl had a had a reboot famously funded by <laughs> macaulay culkin that's funny um and it was an all right game they uh, they stayed faithful to the series and the game itself was sort of a fusion of sort of the greatest hits of the first two games, but it didn't, uh, it wasn't as exciting as, as this release was, is, is how I want to put it. It's so good. I'm, I'm done. I'm done gushing. It's great. Okay. <laughs> but, um, but get it and we'll play a game. Just can can you run Steam on your on your Apple device? Can you do that? Are you allowed? I can run Steam. Whether I can run specific games is up in the air. No, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but I do run Windows on this machine too. Wow, that always blows my mind when it happens. Um. So. It sounds like they tried to give the audience what it wanted. You could say that for sure. Which brings us to a game who absolutely did not try to give the audience what they wanted. 
And that would be Last of Us 2. Oh, boy. What a flippin' disaster. And I don't even want to go... Actually, I do want to go into this because this is so common nowadays. And it goes back to this dude in the middle of the 1800s. Um, and people listen to this show just like whip their heads around and said, Say what? Um, this is the guy who started this division between crappy, popular, entertaining books and worthwhile intellectual literature. And he said, well, if you've got any supernatural elements like ghosts or whatever, then it's it's genre trash. And if you don't, then it's literature. And this divide has continued on today. And people hate reading most things that we consider literary, especially if they're made in the modern day, because now let's take Shakespeare. Now, Shakespeare was a brilliant writer, absolutely brilliant, but he wrote in a different time, and so his language is really hard for us to understand. Because it's hard for us to understand, we can't enjoy the plays in the same way he wrote them. His plays are super rapid fire. Um, if you can imagine a person who can shoot out jokes at a mile a minute, just never stop, almost never take a breath, that's what Shakespearean plays were originally meant to be like, and that's what the audience got from them, whereas now they're long and stentorian and very self-important. And when you read them, they're very difficult to understand because you have to slow down the language. So what do we associate literary works with? Being hard to understand, being slow, being painful to read even. What do we associate art with, modern art? All this garbage that doesn't inspire, it doesn't even make sense. It's just, you know, stuff. Trash, literally, in many cases, spread around a podium or on the floor. Uh, a, <laughs> a, literal, a literal toilet, okay? So this is the mindset. Literature, art, culture, all these things are things you don't enjoy. You just do them because it's supposed to make you a better person. Whereas Shakespeare wasn't supposed to make you a better person. Shakespeare was supposed to be comedy, drama, with violence and sex and uh, jokes. Just awesome entertainment. So along comes Neil Druckmann, who is the writer for The Last of Us and The Last of Us 2. And honestly, all this plays into what I'm trying to say about The Last of Us 2. And he has this idea that in order to make a great video game, you have to 
make something that half your audience hates. Because if you make something that your audience wants or that your audience enjoys, it's not literature. It's not art. It's not uh, good for you. It's not culture. If it's fun, if it's enjoyable, then that's bad. And that's where he's coming from. And we've heard that before from Ryan Johnson, who made The Last Jedi. Uh, the Last Jedi and The Last of Us, right? <laughs> he made The Last Jedi and said, well, my perfect movie is one that uh, pisses off half the audience. Well, no, oh, and J.D. Cowan just said it in the chat. It's a Ryan Johnson mentality. Um, you, this mor morality or this mentality is saying that you don't give the audience what it wants. You give the audience what you, the writer, want them to get. And in many cases, you give them what they don't want because that proves that your work is superior. It's artistic. It's deep. It's meaningful. If it's really hard for them to enjoy, if they have to work to say they enjoy it, then by gum and by golly, that means it's obviously a work of superiority. That means it's deep. It's meaningful. It has depth. It allows you to explore and understand and grow. Well, that's garbage. Absolute trash. But that is what has taken us to this point in The Last of Us Part 2. Is it has gone completely overboard and completely off the cliff in that mentality. I'm now pausing to see if you will. Uh... <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to learn more. Okay. I just, I'm like, okay, I need to take a stop and take a breath and take see, a breath. If, take a, see if my co-host has anything to say. <laughs> I, 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 I eagerly await the, the resolution. What is, uh, where is this going? And I've, I've heard some of the rumors about this, these leaks, but I, I don't know too much and I never played the original game. So I, I'm, I'm going to settle in and enjoy the rest of this. I liked the original The Last of Us. It wasn't as deep as it try as it thought it was. Neil Druckmann wasn't being as deep as he thought he was being. It clearly wanted to be a deep, meaningful game, but and it almost was a, an actually good universal story almost had an actual good universal story it was about a man who lost his own daughter early in the outbreak of a vamp of a vampire of a zombie that would have been awesome that would have been a great video game a vampire apocalypse that you're fighting your way through that would have been different this one was different too uh, and i'll talk about that in a sec of, of a zombie apocalypse he lost his own daughter um 
Although she got shot by soldiers, not eaten by a zombie. And then um, much time passes. I think it was like 20-something years passes. And he, life is harsh. They're, they're trying to survive in a city that's been... Uh, that's walled off from most zombies, except that um, it's run by a dictatorship and it's really difficult to live. And he's in order to live, he has to uh, earn money and he earns money kind of by smuggling things. And someone uh, gives him a job of taking this girl of escorting this girl this young girl who uh, all across the country from Boston to uh, Salt Lake City. Um, so doctors can discover why she has, why she is immune to this to the zombification, to the cause of zombification, and then maybe make a vaccine for it or even a cure. And what could have been the universal core, what they tried to do but kind of missed because they were forcing it, they were more interested in, well, one, they were heavily... Uh, burdened by the need for more representation. They were pushing wokeness so hard that they weren't paying attention to the story. Um, and they also had Anita Sarkeesian in to uh, advise on the video game. Um, and so they were trying to follow her advice and all these other things going in, and they just weren't concentrating on the actual story as much as they should have been. But it turns out to be a very simple story. The emotional beats at its heart turn out to be very simple. He tries to keep distance because he doesn't want to get attached over the course of the story. Uh, they get closer and closer until he comes to see her. Uh, the main character, the person you play, Joel, uh, gets closer and closer to the girl, Ellie. And by the end of the game, she comes to be his surrogate daughter, you know, sort of his adopted daughter. All her family's dead. She has nobody. When they get to Salt Lake City, uh, in order to produce the cure, it turns out that they... Uh, have to kill her. So spoilers, oh. sorry. Oh. I think the game came out in like 2013 or something. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's been seven years. If you haven't played it by now, sorry. It's well past the, well past the spoiler statute of limitations on video games. I, I mean that's a predictable that's a predictable story turn though. Yeah. That that's a predictable twist. So so what happens? He, shoot, he shoots his way out of the hospital to get her free, and 
kills everybody who gets in his way. <laughs> cool. And that's the end of the game. Um, it's really not as thinky as they want it to be. They want it to be this, and that's what they tried to make it. I'm talking about the people who made the game. They want it to be some deep, wrenching, thoughtful process when, in fact, what they should have been focusing on was the emotions at the core of the story and left all of these, you know, preachy things about uh, extraneous stuff out of it and just focused on the actual stuff. Because really, in a video game, all the story is there is to provide context and meaning and goals for gameplay, mm -hmm. which is fine. Um, people who say there's no story in video games, I find it more enjoyable when there is context for set-piece battles. That's why I don't play multiplayer, because a series of set-piece battles where there's no goal but to fight other people doesn't interest me it doesn't hold my attention but uh, modern warfare 2 uh remaster just came out like three days ago four days ago and one of the levels on there that i love to play again and again and again uh partially because you get a control of predator drone uh is called wolverines named after of course red dawn and the reason why I like it is because it's about Russians invading the East Coast. And you can say, oh, well, that's ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, it is a ridiculous story, but it doesn't matter. Even if it's a ridiculous story, you're a soldier fighting for America against invading Russians. That's enough of a story to provide context to your actions. You're trying to defend this government uh, official Russians are coming in all over the place you're trying to hold them off in a strip mall where there's a bank and there is a diner and there is a couple of fast food joints and there is a um, a gas station and so these are all Americana right this is America just in the buildings that are there and you're finding all these Russians in the middle of it, I'm sold. I like the level because the gameplay is great. You start it by coming up in all these suburbs with all the houses. Um, but the story just is there to provide context and then I can do all the gameplay I want to do. And so having a story in the video game to me is fine because as long as the story generally stays out of the way of the gameplay and provides dramatic context for the choices I make during the gameplay, I'm fine with that. Um, and their problem is they tried to, they did try to make kind of a movie because they were just trying too hard. sort of a overinflated sense of their purpose. Like we were talking about when we talked about Streets of Rage 4, the developers focused on just making a decent game. You know, they, they set those experiences the way their audience expects and, and leave it at that. Yeah, see, here's the thing. 
and and this is just a a four if I don't know about your about what they did in Streets of Rage four, um, or what each level was like. But let's say the first level was on the street level, and there's cars driving by and they're fighting people, and at the end of it they fight a boss, but they find out okay. Uh, such and such happened, and the next boss is in Chinatown. So they move to another level, and the story is, this is the guy who was supplying all the weapons to the people you just fought. So now you're in the Chinatown level, and there's a story there. You've now gathered the evidence you need to prove that this guy did it. You now know who did it. So you go to Chinatown to get him, and you fight through a different series of, you know, a different level with a different series of foes, to get to the Chinatown boss. I mean, that's a story. It's a very basic story, but at least it gives context to how the levels are linked together and what they mean, and you keep on doing that until you get to the end boss, who's, you know, the evil bad mayor of the city. Uh, and to get to him, you've been going up a skyscraper or whatever. Um, Story is great in video games as long as it provides context for gameplay and doesn't take over gameplay. Yeah. That's that's pretty darn close to Streets of Rage's story. <laughs> <laughs> um so anyways, the the first game I really enjoyed because even though there's a kind of storytelling that's where the author has the confidence in their skills and they can just sit back and tell the story um, and let it be. And then there's an author, there's a point where an author is really, they're not confident in their skill and they know what they want to do but they have to, they're trying to push it on the audience because either they don't know how to do it right or they haven't developed confidence in their skill yet, skills yet or whatever. And so they're trying to, they do it too hard. And that's a big problem with game writers. And maybe it's a big problem with game designers uh, or level designers or whatever. Because they're not storytellers. But video games have this big problem where they're trying to push. And they push real hard. And it's like, oh, we, we this scene needs to be sad. And so they turn it up to like 15. And instead of just being a sad, quiet moment, it's, you know, all the sad things in the world are beating down on you. And you will be sad. And there's sadness everywhere. It's so sad wow that's sad yeah they do it a lot uh and and i'm not trying to impugn their talent or ability it's just i don't think people in the medium of video games have quite gotten to the point where they know that or maybe there isn't a Maybe there isn't a good system for passing the skills along to the next generation. Whatever, it happens a lot in video game writing, and it happened in The Last of Us, and that was kind of its big flaw. Is not that the story was bad, and not that the story was especially intrusive, because it wasn't. I mean, 
it even made sense. Okay, they're driving from one city to another. They drive into this city and there's a trap and they get into their car skids and crashes. So they have to get out. And now you're in this big set piece where there's a bunch of bad guys and you're capable of sneaking through it if you want. But if you don't sneak well, uh, they will see you in attack and you have to fight your way through. Fine. That's a little bit of story to explain how you got into the situation, and then you're in the situation, you have to deal with it. People complain because the, they think the cutscenes were too long, and that can be a problem, but in an industry where Metal Gear Solid exists, <laughs> I, I don't think you can really complain that the cutscenes are, are that long. <laughs> Uh, I mean, Metal Gear Solid began with, what, an hour and a half cutscene that was unskippable? Oh, um, come on. So I liked The Last of Us. I enjoyed the gameplay. People have said the gameplay was mediocre, and maybe it was. I still enjoyed it. I liked sneaking up on clickers and stabbing. They're these blind people. Uh and you had to sneak up on them and stab them uh, before they knew you were there. Because if they knew you were there and you tried to kill them with weapons, all the other clickers in the area would find you and you'd die. Cool. So you had to do it. was stealth action, third person gameplay. Um, I liked the game, I enjoyed it. Um, it had its flaws, but every game had its flaws. Many people are reacting because they felt it was overrated, and, and it kind of was overrated because of that whole ending. I mean, it's kind of a awful ending. In order to rescue this one girl, you slaughtered through, like, it had to have been 20 or 30 people. Wow. Um, but... And they're all the the well-meaning villain types, right? Like they're they're willing to sacrifice this girl to try to save humanity, and you're like, nope, yes. sorry. And I mean, yeah, that puts them. It's it's an ethical quandary. That puts them well on the side of okay, if you're willing to chop up this girl and kill her to save humanity, that puts them well on the side of bad guys. So that's not sure. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah, they're definitely the bad guys, but that's a that's quite an ending. So people thought it was deeper than it was, and people thought it was overrated, and so they started picking at it. I think a little bit more than the game deserved. But so you see, people like Joel because they played as Joel. People like it, Ellie, because they kind of made her endearing and you know, kind of annoying too. They were confident enough in their writing to make her annoying, but trusted that she might like her anyway. Um, and then you come to The Last of Us Part 2. I, I heard there were some leaks from <laughs> disgruntled employees. The rumor is it was a disgruntled employee. We don't actually know for sure. Okay. So what happened? Sony and Naughty Dog say they know. Nobody knows. Videos from the game, development video go videos in several different languages. There was one in 
German. There was one in Portuguese, or at least they had subtitles in German and Portuguese. Um, and there was like four or five videos, and I, of course, stopped and watched them the first night. They basically took the kind of flaws that hampered the first game a tiny bit and just boosted them, turbo boosted them. So there was a little bit of identity politics in the first game, and in this game, they've turned the identity politics way, way up to where it's basically the spine of the game. The heroes, uh, the Joel is a secondary character. Ellie is the hero. Um, they dwell a lot on Ellie's uh, same-sex relationship with uh, another girl who is bi, um, and she's pregnant by this other guy uh, because she's been dating men. Uh, then it turns out that one of the men who got killed in the hospital in Salt Lake City at the end of the previous game had a quote-unquote daughter who is actually a huge, big, muscular man uh, who is transsexual. <laughs> so he's a she. <laughs> Only he has somehow gotten hormone treatments in the middle of the zombie apocalypse 30 years into it um, because he's got breasts. Um, and he chases them down and it seems from the cutscene he kills Joel. Wow. So Joel gets sidelined. Um, spoilers. Sorry. From, from, yes, we, we are revealing some of the contents of the leak. So this, this character that was the playable character in the first game, and by the accounts I've read, sort of a fan favorite, is is murdered by this whatever it is. Um, Abby is his her name. We don't know this, so I can't say they're definitely transsexual. That's why I have difficulty talking about them. They're obviously big and muscular, and the rumor is that they're transsexual male to female. We That's don't, so weird. We don't know that for sure. So I have difficulty talking about this in a way. Uh, but anyways... Yeah, yeah regar regardless, that's... that's that's cheap heat. That's yeah. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna kill off this uh, this favorite character just to generate outrage, and you it's that's a horrible thing to do to your audience. <laughs> don't have a chance to save them. There's no gameplay. It's just bam, beats them to death with a nine iron. It looks like. Um. Because his, her dad was in the hospital and got killed by Joel. Uh, we've never heard of a character. It's just one of the nameless dudes who got shot. And uh, then um, there's this cult of uh, evil Christians who are um all immune and 
they try to convert a bunch of people, but if you're not immune, they kill you. Only some of the people who join uh, quit. Uh, only all the people who quit are uh, women and racial minorities because of reasons they haven't explained yet. So it's just white Christians who are evil in the middle of the zombie apocalypse hunting down and killing gay people. That, that sounds very Christian of them, yeah. Um, and supposedly, and I don't actually believe this part of the leak, it wasn't supported by the videos that were leaked. Supposedly, you play the second part of the game as Abby... Hunting really? down Ellie because Ellie has started hunting down your group. And the end of the game is you killing Ellie. Weird. That's weird and horrible. Yes. Oh. So, as J.D. Cowan just said, everybody is hateful, everybody is ugly, and nothing you do matters. That'll be $60, please. Wow. Uh, yeah, sounds like uh, a bunch of incompetent income poops put that script together. Oh well, so that's, saved a bunch uh, of money. Neil Druckmann, after all of the leaks came out, was very very upset about it, and he said specifically, or he intimated, he uh, reposted a. Quote by uh, <laughs> a quote by Kurt Cobain that says if you uh, if you hate minorities and women and uh, homosexuals, then uh, Nirvana didn't want you buying their albums or going to their shows. Sure. And it's like, oh, okay, so if we don't buy into your agenda, if we don't buy into the woke agenda, you don't want us buying your game. So if we don't like all the things, you know, and he's saying, he said in a post, uh, again, this is on his Instagram before that quote, that everybody who disliked what they saw in the links was, you know, in so many words, um, racist, sexist, homophobic, whatever. So you're a that's, bad person. That's the old. That's the old. Uh, that's it's not for you. Defense. Oh, you, you think my movie was bad? Well, it wasn't for you. It was for a different audience. Uh, or you're a bad person if you don't like it because it it can't possibly because they're killing off both of the characters. You know, rumored to be killing off both of the characters from the first game that you liked in horrible ways. It can't possibly be because they're they're deliberately giving the audience something they don't want. They're deliberately spitting on the game. They're deliberately spitting on fans of the game. It can't possibly be because of that. No, no, it's because you're a bad person. <laughs> You're a bad person if you don't like this game. I'm like, really? Uh, what if you just made a bad game? I mean, what if, and check me on this, 
What if you really had made a great story and it was the greatest story in the history of all gaming? But your gameplay sucked and people didn't like that. What if The Last of Us 2 was, was exactly like that? Was It really was. I don't know how it could be. Suppose it really was a great story, but the gameplay sucks because you screwed it up. That happens a lot in sequels. Mm. So what if that's why people didn't like it? Are they still hateful, hateful, hateful people? I mean, there's so many reasons people dislike a game, but to say the only possible reason is because you're bad and bigoted and stuff, it's it's nonsense. So, so my conclusion from this all is that they're more interested in pushing an agenda than in making an enjoyable game. They're more interested in this agenda than they are in giving the audience what it wants. They deliberately went in the opposite direction of making the audience happy, of giving them more of The Last of Us 2, and the game is bad. And what he said was he doesn't want you to buy it if you're not in tune with his politics. Uh, Kelly Sudeconic at Marvel Comics said almost that exact same thing. The uh, vice president over at EA said that exact same thing about Battlefield Five. You know, if you're not on board with our politics, we don't want your money. And now Neil Druckmann is saying the same thing about his game. If you're not on board with our politics, we don't want your money. Uh, and I see a lot of people being perfectly willing to oblige him. Uh, it's there's a there's a picture for that. It's all so tiresome. Yes. It's also tiresome. Um, well, now that I have the whole picture, I I'm not even going to bother checking out the first game. That's that just sounds terrible. The one last thing I want to talk about, we actually did talk about it at the top of the show, which is perhaps fitting because we're getting down towards the end of the show, so we might as well close with it too. Um, Sony hired a company called Musso TNT Limited, who, as I alluded to, has been on a tear across the internet telling every uh, filing false DMCA notices to get people to take things down. Uh, even people who are just discussing and commenting on this uh controversy. In my notes, I called it a kerfluffle. <laughs> <laughs> On this latest kerfluffle. And that ticks me off. That's really why I, I put that on the list is all this other stuff, that's fine. It, it's just another stupid outrage and a long history of stupid outrages recently. Uh, and that's why I've, I've just stopped caring about most mainstream franchises because they're in the hands of stupid people who hate the audience and they're making bad work. And so I've just accepted that and I'm moving on to other things. Um, but this, this notion of, of coming down hard on, for example, geeks and gamers, heel versus baby face, 
um, all of these other people for the sole reason of even talking about it, even if there's nothing in the video, even if they don't discuss the spoilers, they get hit with these YouTube strikes. And if you get hit with three of them, then they kill your channel. And these are people with hundreds of thousands of uh, subscribers who have contacts at YouTube that they can talk to um, when they deal with it, uh, when they have something go wrong. So I don't know. And maybe that we're too small to get noticed and get a strike. And maybe that they come after us because they're stupid. Mm. Um, <laughs> All right, and if but, if we uh, if we care. disappear, I want all of our fans listening to uh, put together a crowd fund and uh, hire a ex a bunch of ex Navy SEALs to go into this company's headquarters and bust us out. Okay, um, pretend it's an episode of Streets of Rage. I was on BitChute last night, so if we get kicked off YouTube, then we're gonna set up on BitChute. <laughs> um. So I just got ticked off by that. That whole thing ticked me off. This is a, a really shady company. Um, they have a nice website, but none of the people who they list as directors really are directors. Uh, and I'm getting this information from Heel versus Babyface's channel, uh, who's done a few videos about this in the last week. Um, and they seem to be operating out of India. Uh, that's where the company really does its work from. Um, so, yeah, screw those guys. We're we did. I did this show because I'm ticked, and I don't. Uh, I don't want to be scared. I'm tired of people trying to intimidate us using DMCA, and by us, I mean commenters, people on the internet who are just using their First Amendment rights. My prediction for this game, for The Last of Us Two, is that it's going to be trash. It's going to be garbage, and I base that not necessarily on the leaks, but the leaks are very, very good warning signs. They are symptoms that a pathologist, that are akin to the symptoms that a pathologist would use to diagnose a patient to determine what disease they have. And in every case where I've seen symptoms like these, it has proven that the game or the movie or the book or the comic or whatever is bad because they were focusing more on being woke than on making something worthwhile. So my guess, my conclusion is that this is going to be very, very bad because they're spending more time and energy on being woke than on making something enjoyable for the audience. And so I don't think it's going to be worth 60 bucks. I don't think it's going to be worth six bucks. Um, maybe to people who review games, it might be worth it if they make their money off of that. But if you're going into this wanting to be entertained, wanting to get a sequel to The Last of Us, the best thing to do is just pretend that The Last of Us was a once-off game, that it happened and it's over, and that's everything. Um, I despise wokeness. I despise people who have gotten fallen into the clutches of wokeness, who have joined the cult, uh, 
They make themselves miserable. If they're creatives, they make their audience miserable. And their lives could be so much happier if they walked away. And the lives of their audience would be so much happier if they walked away. Um, I don't know. I feel like that's where I want to stop right now. You won't get any arguments from me. Uh, it's it's a shame, but it's it's happened, and it's just one more episode in in the ongoing saga where people who hate you are in control of making stuff. So let's focus on getting away from those sorts of things and 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 spending our time and attention more wisely. Uh, on that note, uh, we both mostly been hanging out and chat with. Uh, a bunch of folks talking Streets of Rage 4 and everything. Uh, thanks for listening in. Uh, we got Bradford, JD, Rawl, Emmett, Ardenon, and a couple of others that I probably missed. Thanks for hanging out, guys. It, it's been so much fun. Uh, and it was good to talk about something new that was worthwhile this week. It was it was nice to be really excited about a new game. Uh, and, and I'm glad that people are still out there doing good work. Uh, and... Uh, and anyway, I, I appreciate that, and I appreciate hanging out with you every week and chatting, as usual, Daddy Warpig. Um, I found something new this week. I found a channel called Door Monster. Uh, Door Monster. Uh, they've been around for, oh gosh, uh, six, seven years. Uh, they've got 300,000 subscribers, and I've never heard of them before. Um. It's just still astounding to me that there are absolutely vast fan bases out there for people that I've never even heard of before, like even in passing. So um, they make funny videos about stuff. I get caught up in their civilization videos. They're, they're short videos. They do them weekly. Um and I don't know. I enjoyed them. They suit my sense of humor. They seem like good guys. Uh, if you have a chance, check out Door Monster here on YouTube. Um, I've uh, watched a lot of their videos this week, and I found them uh, enjoyable. They were good, good things to watch when I needed to take a break. They were made. They were funny, and they made me laugh, which kind of lifted my spirits. That's great. Uh, just i'm at the edge of my cord here with my headsets i should say i didn't mention this but my replacement headsets are wireless oh very good so i don't have to put up with this cord anymore i just turned my head too far and it bounced me back my head just snapped back i'm like ow but anyways folks uh i want to thank my inimitable uh co-host uh Dorndall for coming on the show um, and we are going to let him go so we could return the <laughs> return the call to his friend who has forgotten what days of the week exist. Not even what they are, just that they exist. <laughs> uh, so I want to thank him for uh, doing the show with me now for it's 2026 years ourselves. Wow. Well. Homing in on six years. <laughs> it's it's boggling to imagine. We still have fun things to talk about. It's heck yeah. 
that's what's most boggling to me is most people bog down after a while. They just run out of things to say. Uh, we've like today we just ran into like storytelling problems in the gaming industry and how they can address that, and what it should be and, and how to teach that to other people. And I had no idea we were going to run across that. And consciously thought about that directly before. It's astounding, folks, what comes up on this show. It astounds even I. Um, so I uh, want to thank my good friend Dornall. I want to thank everybody who uh, uh, came in and listened live and participated in the chat. Um, Fiona Wolf and uh, Simon Hogwood and uh, anybody else we happen to of Wales One, uh, anybody else we happen to have over miss, uh, overlooked and miss, and or missed, we definitely apologize. Thank anybody who is listening to this later. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show because, of course, you did. It's that awesome. You can get this uh, about every week about this time on YouTube.com slash GeekGab. That's YouTube.com slash GeekGab. Or you can catch us on soundcloud.com on the apple itunes store or on the google play store so you can subscribe to the podcast or listen on the device of your choice thanks for tuning in folks we are signing out for today but don't you worry don't you fret we will be back